It's time for Forward Nation Radio. Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal. President Donald Trump asserts executive privilege with respect to the United States Constitution. What the hell? It's not like anyone's ever read it. Certainly nobody to whom he's given a lifetime appointment to the federal bench has read it. Okay, he hasn't actually done that yet, but I had you go in there for a minute, didn't I? You could believe it. Maybe that's going to be next week's news. Welcome to Forward Nation Radio. I'm David Leventhal, or maybe our new tagline will be Next week's news today, Forward Nation Radio. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. His actions this week are bad enough. We will, of course, talk about Donald Trump's actions this week. And we're going to talk for a little bit about sportsmanship in America and what it means to us in our society. But first, a little bit on the news. Let's hope that next week's news isn't the United States at war with Iran. Because we seem to be moving in that direction as we inch closer to war. You've probably heard a couple of oil tankers were attacked in the Gulf of Oman. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo and the administration are blaming Iran. Pompeo goes to the rest of the world and says, we have proof. I won't be able to share it with you. Apparently, executive privilege on the proof that Iran was behind the firing of the oil tankers. But trust us, we're the United States. And that's our first bit of sad analysis for the week. The Secretary of State of the United States basically says, trust us, we have a credibility battle between the United States government and the government of Iran, the religious fanatics who are leading the government of Iran. And you know what? In this credibility battle, who do you believe? Because most of the world has chosen not to believe the United States of America, for obvious reasons, since nobody but an idiot would believe anything coming out of this administration even when it comes to a battle of credibility against some of the worst people on the planet. Well, some of the worst people on the planet who aren't actually running the United States government, that is. Sure, could we believe that Iran did this? Of course we could believe that Iran did this. They are a bunch of religious fanatics. We also could believe that Iran did this because we have been provoking them since the beginning of the Trump administration to create a problem like this. Remember that this is Donald Trump who has abrogated an agreement that we had with Iran that Iran has been complying with scrupulously. This is an administration that has reimposed sanctions to the extent we can against Iran to try to cripple their economy. This is an administration that has declared their military to be terrorists. Well, as we inch closer to possible war against Iran, we are actually at the point now of hoping that the President of the United States will put the brakes on. We are hoping that the President of the United States is someone who will understand the horrors of war and the horrors of sending our children to war. Yes, the President of the United States, who hopefully we can count on to understand the horrors of having to fake bone spurs in order to get out of going to war. As we talk about this story, does anyone know where National Security Advisor John Bolton is and has been this past week? John Bolton, who has been itching for war with Iran. Somebody might want to check his passport and find out if he's been anywhere near the Gulf of Oman this past week. On a lighter and more positive note in the news this week, the state of New York banned the religious waiver for vaccinations. 
Yes, it turns out that even if you are a complete tool and if you sell out to someone else's extremist fantasies, you don't get an exemption from following public policy. Damn it. There goes my religious cult. I guess there's no point forming a religious cult if I'm just going to have to follow the law like normal human beings. This story, aside from being a feel-good story about the fact that even religious crazies are going to have to prepare their kids to live in a civilized society and not subject our children to possible harm in getting vaccinated, this is the rare case, maybe the only case that I can remember in my lifetime, where I get to say, thank God New York State has followed the lead of West Virginia and Mississippi. That's right. West Virginia and Mississippi have already ended the religious exemption for vaccinations. Hooray for New York following their lead, and let's hope that all of the other states soon follow suit. One of the things in the news that most struck me this week was there was a big picture on the front page of the New York Times of the U.S. women's soccer team jubilantly celebrating their first World Cup or their first victory in the World Cup this year. Very exciting. Congratulations on your victory. I looked at this picture. I looked at the caption that said, the United States women defeated Thailand in a record 13 to nothing drubbing. And the only thing I could think is, I hope that this picture of them jubilantly celebrating was taken after like the first or the second goal in the game. I really hope this jubilant celebration was not occurring after the 12th or the 13th goal against an obviously completely overmatched opponent. And I thought, why are we applauding this? Yes, when we should be happy that the U.S. women's soccer team won a game in the World Cup, all I'm thinking is, this this is something you're proud of, humiliating the other side? This is what we've become? That it's not enough to just beat the other team, you have to humiliate them? Uh, apparently the coach of the U.S. women's soccer team told them that they should run up the score. I guess that some playoff seeding will depend on uh, goal differential at some point. Well, if in order to get a good playoff seed, you need to drub an overmatched opponent by 13 to nothing, you need to humiliate your opponent, I think, is this really who we are? And is this really who we want to be? The sad story there is, I think it may be who we are, I really hope it's not who we want to be. My discussions on this story with my classes and with other people may seem to indicate that, to a large extent, this is who we are. And I think my two young boys, seven and five, play soccer. They play soccer in a soccer league because, of course, this is America circa 2019. That's the way kids play everything. And there are two kinds of people that I notice when I watch my young boys playing soccer against other young boys. For the most part, I'm really happy to see how the kids react. Most of the kids just really want to go out there and play and have fun. Half the time, they don't even know what the score is. My youngest son was playing a game this past week, and they were playing against a clearly overmatched team, and they were way ahead. In fact, there's particularly one boy on my my son's team who is a little bit more mature than the other kids. He's a little bit bigger. He kicks the ball a lot harder. He runs a lot faster. And after we scored something like three goals in the first half, you could see him just on his own pull back a little bit and not try as hard to kick the ball into the goal and to be as aggressive on offense. And I thought, how wonderful that is that this kid 
could be sending lessons to many of the parents who are out there watching my kids' soccer games. Some of the teams are loaded with all-stars because they're their coaches are the guys who pick the teams and these kids are on travel teams and they take it really seriously. And those games tend to be routes. And when the team is winning by 10 to nothing in the second half and somebody scores a goal, most of the kids don't even really want to celebrate, but the parents are cheering raucously on the sidelines. And all I could think is, how big a loser are you that you need to get some validation in your own miserable existence when the fact that your little kid is beating the crap out of some clearly overmatched other little kid and his team? When, I, when my son's soccer team this week was way ahead, I was happy to report that the coach of their team had said to the other team, they had one extra player, you can go ahead and put that other player on the field. What is the point of us completely destroying your team? And I think that's sportsmanship. Obviously, this coach has no future in, in coaching winning teams and travel teams in this league. I assume he doesn't want to. But I think this is teaching the kids a valuable lesson. This is teaching sportsmanship. This is teaching respect for your opponents, respect for the game. That it's not about how high you can run up the score. It is about love of what you're doing and respect for everybody else involved in the endeavor. And that leads me to the next thing that I see in our sporting world, which is this idea of win at all costs. This idea of a cheating culture that we have created in sports. When I look at my young, uh, at my young sons playing their games, if someone on one of the teams accidentally or inadvertently uses his hands, he stops. Like, I did something wrong, I stop. And they immediately stop. Well, I used the hands, someone else should. You know, the, the other team should get the ball, should get a throw in, a penalty kick, whatever's appropriate. But then I look at the way most of our sports is played, at least on a professional level or on a more serious level. And I'm reminded of how much of a cheating culture we have. Steroids, doping. I, I'm remembering a few years ago, I was watching a baseball game. And I don't like the Yankees. I've never liked the Yankees. I've always been a Met fan. And I had an old girlfriend who was particularly in love with Derek Jeter, so I particularly didn't, didn't care for Derek Jeter. And I remember, I don't know why I saw this, but there was a play with the Yankees, and there was a close tag play at second base. And the guy slid in, a cloud of dirt, bodies piled on top of each other. And the Yankee shortstop, Derek Jeter, holds up the ball, holds up his glove with the ball in it at the end of the play to show, hey, I've got the ball, I caught it, the guy should be out. I don't even remember whether the guy was called out or safe, but I do remember that they showed several replays. And on one angle, you could see that Derek Jeter didn't have the ball. The, the ball was loose. It was underneath the, the runner who was on the base and clearly safe. Jeter, with his body blocking the umpire, reaches under the player, grabs the ball, and then holds his glove aloft with the ball in it, saying, I caught it. The guy should be out. And I remember thinking, what a loser. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how great a ball player you are. I don't care that you're going to, for some reason, make it into the Baseball Hall of Fame despite being an obvious cheater. You are a total loser if you have to do this. Once you have to start cheating on a ball field, you've already lost. And why can't that be the message that we send out to people? Why is it okay for people in our culture, for young people growing up, to watch professional athletes cheat and get away with it and learn that cheating is somehow okay in our society because it clearly does trickle down. I don't know 
what started it, whether sports was the cause or, or simply a symptom. But the fact is, we have a cheating culture. We cheat in business. We cheat when we drive. We cheat getting on lines. We cheat on our taxes. We cheat on just about everything because we think it's okay to cheat. And we think it's okay to cheat in large part because the people we watch and we look up to get away with cheating. And so we think it's all right. Well, these people need to not get away with cheating. Derek Jeter should have been suspended for a month. I said this to my students and to some friends, and they said, that's crazy. He's, he's a professional athlete. I said, yeah, he's a professional athlete. He's a role model. And if he blatantly cheats like that, he should be suspended for a month. And by the way, at some point, the rule should be, if you're a cheater when you play the game, when it comes time to Hall of Fame voting, you're not going to get in. And you're not going to get in because you're a cheater. Not just because, like Pete Rose, you gambled on the sport. And baseball feels, well, we can't let that guy into the Hall of Fame because he has, has affected, undermined the integrity of the game. Well, here's news for you, people. If your professional athletes are cheaters, they're undermining the integrity of the game and they're undermining the integrity of a lot more. How is this trickling down? I, I love this story. A few years ago, a, a team that I play, a softball team that I played on for many years was involved in a very important game, a crucial game. It was some kind of a playoff game. The other team had runners on base. It was a big at bat. Batter pops out. We're all excited. I understand this is a team of 40-something-year-old guys who are playing in some local softball league where you get nothing if you win, other than the pride of, in some cases, I guess, having cheated your way to victory. Well, I look after this, after this crucial out, and the batter is talking to the umpire. And it turns out the batter saying that when he swung the bat, there was catcher's interference. He hit the catcher's glove. Now, in baseball, for the uninitiated or softball, if you are a batter and you swing the bat and you hit the catcher's glove, that means the catcher put his glove out too far. And instead of being out, you would, in fact, be awarded first base. It would be a huge turning point in this game. The umpire, not having seen it, turned to our catcher, a 40-something-year-old guy out playing softball for fun, and said, did the bat hit your glove? And our catcher, to his everlasting credit, said, yeah, it did. At which point the umpire says, okay, well, you're not out. Go to first base, and it changed the complexion of the game. And at which point eight other guys on our softball team, not including me, on the field, spent the next, well, rest of the game screaming at this guy from all over the field. You idiot, you jerk, why did you say that? Tell him it didn't hit the glove. I am the only one on the field saying, good for you, Jason. Good job, way to go. If we have to cheat our way to victory, what does that say about us? As I point out, Jason and I were in an 8-2 to two minority. And this trickles down. And it is why we have created such a cheating culture. And I think that it's time, again, to start telling all of us in our society that we expect better of all of us. Speaking of our cheating culture and our need to demand more of ourselves, Donald Trump. Yes, it's true. Donald Trump did not declare or assert executive privilege with respect to the U.S. Constitution this week, though he came awfully close. And what he did effectively assert executive privilege on is scary enough. Starting with, speaking of humiliating others and winning at all costs, Climate change, where this week the administration has effectively declared executive privilege on climate change research. And Harper's Magazine in their weekly roundup said it best, so I'm just going to read to you a short passage from Harper's Magazine. 
Starting off by talking about the record heat in India, about 135 degrees that has left dozens dead, then proceeds to go on, and I quote, The Trump administration blocked the State Department from submitting to the House of Representatives a report that described the consequences of climate change as, quote, potentially catastrophic, close quote. And the White House received a letter written by 17 car manufacturers arguing that the government's plan to deregulate tailpipe emissions might undercut their industry. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo downplayed the threat of climate change, saying, Societies reorganize. We move to different places. Close quote. At the U.S.-Mexico border, migrant children between the ages of 5 and 12 were driven to an adults-only detention center and kept in vans for up to 39 hours before being reunified with their families. English classes, recreational programs, and legal aid for unaccompanied minors staying in federal migrant shelters were canceled by this administration. Now I've ended the quote that believes that the legal requirement to take care of these children who are apprehended at our borders or who give themselves up and ask for asylum doesn't go anything beyond giving them a hard floor to sleep on and something to eat. Get the irony there. I love the fact that we're ignoring climate change. We are burying evidence of climate change. The Secretary of State comes out and says, societies reorganized, we move to different places. Yes, Mike, one of the places we move is up north to where we haven't yet made the, the climate unbearable. So here we are, the United States of America and other wealthy nations have caused climate change primarily, overwhelmingly. And we're perfectly happy to look at everybody else suffer the costs of that. Our lack of responsibility in our cheating culture. Well, climate, of course, wasn't the only news blackout enforced by the Trump administration. This week, which, this week it asserted executive privilege on the citizenship question, the origin of the citizenship question on the census. As I've pointed out on this show before, it is blatantly obvious that the citizenship question was added to the census or proposed to be added to the census in order to suppress the count of minorities and other and people who might vote democratic and to once again continue to shift power to the political party that re- represents a smaller and smaller minority of Americans that is why a citizenship question was added to the census everybody with any with any sense at all knows that despite the administration's lies to the contrary well those lies of course included among other things the fact that they have gone and perjured themselves in front of congress Speaking of you, Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, that's what we know about the citizenship question on the census. So, of course, the best way to prevent the unearthing of the administration's lies and where that census question came from, partisan politics and the need to suppress the vote, Donald Trump has simply declared executive privilege on where all of this came from. This is shocking. Even in this administration, this is so awful. And, by the way, Another grounds of impeachment. What else, by the way, could we call this asserting executive privilege on your criminal behavior? There's a term for this. Oh, right. Obstruction of justice. By preventing investigators from investigating its illegal activities, the Trump administration again continues to hope to run out the clock, that they could drag this out long enough that the census is going to be a fait accompli, and there's nothing that Democrats are going to be able to do about their blatant violations of the law and suppression of the vote. 
We're going to have the United States Supreme Court weigh, on, weigh in on this in a few weeks, and there's a very good chance that five members of the United States Supreme Court will once again demonstrate that they need to be impeached along with the President of the United States if they come down as expected and support the President's blatantly illegal and undemocratic behavior. This is the actions of a despot. This is the actions of an authoritarian government and a wannabe authoritarian president. While we still sit around and discuss in polite circles, oh, this isn't despotism, we have rules and we have the institutions of American government stopping Donald Trump, Donald Trump continues to raise, R-A-Z-E, not R-A-I-S-E, the institutions that are supposed to be preventing him from becoming a despot. And we continue to move in that direction. And at some point, we're going to wake up in a few months when it's a little bit too late to stop this. But of course, that wasn't even the big news of Donald Trump's power grab, his illegal behavior, and in this case, his undemocratic, un-American threat to national security. You, of course, have already heard about Donald Trump, the the President of the United States, willingness to gladly accept dirt from a hostile foreign power. I'm sure you've heard plenty about it, probably some of it out of order. I would like to actually read the transcript of the relevant portion of his interview this week with George Stephanopoulos of ABC News. I will read it and then we'll discuss it a little bit. Stephanopoulos, should he, meaning Donald Trump Jr., have gone to the FBI when he got that email, here referring to the email at which he was told that Russia had dirt on Hillary Clinton, and Donald Trump Jr. eagerly said, I love it, and went to the meeting. Okay, the rest is a quote. Trump, okay, let's put yourself in a position. You're a congressman. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I have information on your opponent. Do you call the FBI? I don't think, Stephanopoulos, if it's coming from Russia, you do. Trump, I'll tell you what. I've seen a lot of things over my life. I don't think in my whole life I've ever called the FBI. In my whole life. You don't call the FBI. You throw somebody out of your office. You do whatever you do. Stephanopoulos. Al Gore got a stolen briefing book. He called the FBI. Quick interjection here before I go back to the quote. During the run-up to the 2000 election before George Bush got close enough to steal it, Al Gore was given a briefing book that uh, George Bush was using to prepare for his debates against Al Gore. Al Gore took the briefing book and rather than look at it, he turned it over to the FBI. Trump. Well, that's different. A stolen briefing book. This isn't a stolen... This is somebody that said, we have information on your opponent. Oh, let me call the FBI. Give me a break. Life doesn't work that way. Stephanopoulos, the FBI director says that's what should happen. Trump, the FBI director is wrong. Stephanopoulos, your campaign this time around, if foreigners, if Russia, if China, if someone else offers you information on opponents, should they accept it or should they call the FBI? Trump, I think maybe you do both. I think you might want to listen. I don't. There's nothing wrong with listening. If somebody called from a country, Norway, we have information on your opponent. Oh, I think I'd want to hear it. Stephanopoulos, you want that kind of interference in our elections? Trump, it's not interference. They have information. I think I'd take it. If I thought there was something wrong, I'd go maybe to the FBI if I thought there was something wrong. But when somebody comes up with oppo research, right, they come up with oppo research. Oh, let's call the FBI. The FBI doesn't have enough agents to take care of it. When you go and talk honestly to congressmen, they all do it. They always have. 
And that's the way it is. It's called oppo research. End of quote. What do you call this? Collusion. That's what you call this. This is the President of the United States saying publicly, again, I'd love to conclude to collude with a hostile foreign power. Um, I'd be talking when, when I, in my law and ethics class and I talk about how business owns the media and you don't hear about business, businesses' unethical activities because, well, in the history of the world, I tell them, nobody has ever called a press conference while in the middle of robbing a bank. Well, I have to amend that. It turns out robbers, of course, are not that stupid or do not lead such unaccountable lives that they would call a press conference while in the middle calling attention to their blatant theft. But this is the president of the United States. And he is both that fucking stupid and since he has spent his entire life being unaccountable for anything, he's perfectly happy to just cop to crimes knowing that he will completely get away with it as he continues to do. For two fucking years, this guy has said, no collusion. So apparently what we're supposed to understand is no collusion, but gee, I I wish I could have. Understand this is collusion for 2020. Like asking for Russia to release Hillary's emails publicly right before Russia publicly released Hillary's emails that they had stolen. This is inviting interference with a U.S. election for 2020. This is collusion being done publicly. And it is a reminder that the greatest national security threat to America today is the man occupying the Oval Office in the White House. As we remember how Donald Trump has been giving security clearances to people like his family members who could not get security clearances under the normal vetting processes, we are reminded that the, that the person in the White House who most would be unable to get security clearance is the President of the United States. In that vein, it was also this week that the President of the United States came out and responding to reports that his new love interest, Kim Jong-un, the brutal murderous dictator of North Korea, had murdered his half-brother. Well, it turns out, the news reports this week, his half-brother was in fact providing information to the CIA about Kim Jong-un's regime. Maybe in part to avoid the possibility that Donald Trump was the one who turned over that information to North Korea. It's completely believable. Donald Trump pointed out that in his administration, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't spy on our enemies. We would not engage in, what do you might call it? Maybe oppo research on the worst actors on the planet. So as the president of the United States proves himself to be a national security threat and undermines U.S. law, well, the Republican Party has come out and finally expressed outrage. Well, you know, outrage at Democrats, who they're continuing to make up bullshit about Democrats conspiring with foreign people by investigating Donald Trump, which is what the Republicans did, during the primaries leading up to the 2016 election. That's right. Republicans are turning their faux outrage at Democrats when they actually have to speak to the idea of what the president of the United States has done. Republicans have come out, aside from, in, in theory, saying we do not act that way in Congress, by the way. That's not the way we do things, and we should turn that information over to the FBI. And we do believe that the FBI knows more than whatever we've pulled out of our ass. What they really say when asked to speak about President Trump is he meant the opposite of what he clearly said. 
and we have several prominent Republicans, including the guy who is next in line for the nomination. We were just reminded the Republican nomination for president in 2012, the complete jackass Rick Santorum, who, yes, was only behind Mitt Romney in getting the Republican nomination in 2020. Rick Santorum, who said, well, if one looks at what he says and assumes that he meant the exact opposite of what he actually said, then there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Republicans continue to circle the wagons around the greatest national security threat to the United States. Why? Because he's on their team. And because, after all, winning at all costs is all that matters. Anyway, speaking of disgraceful pieces of shit, Sarah the Huckster is leaving. Sarah the Huckster has announced that she is stepping down as Donald Trump's press spokesperson. She's apparently stepping down to spend more time lying to her family. Or maybe as The Onion said it best, a great, great headline from The Onion, Huckabee Sanders tells colleagues she's taking temporary post as Google CEO before transitioning into a full-time role as Sultan of Brunei. Yes, Sarah the Huckster, who lied every time she opened her fucking disgusting mouth, who absolutely showed contempt and disrespect for this country and the American people, well, obviously left. One of the few who left the Trump administration with Donald Trump's respect intact. That's right, Donald Trump, the President of the United States, had nothing but kind words to say about this lying sack of shit. Here's a quote from the New York Times article. Mr. Trump admired her, concluding that she had the right disposition for the job. Translation, she's a lying sack of shit, and she doesn't care about America, and she would do anything to screw this country on behalf of her boss. Donald Trump's kind of person. So gosh, who could step into those Pinocchio-sized shoes and... Become the next press person who eliminated the whole idea of the press briefing. Well, here's someone stepping up to burnish her credentials. Kellyanne Kahn artist. Because Kellyanne Kahn artist has been in the news again this week. Stepping up her claim to the Huckster's throne by, uh, well, it turns out the Federal Office of the Special Counsel. It's a government agency. It's not Robert Mueller. Recommended firing. Kellyanne Conway from her job lying to the American public, whatever the hell her federal position is. This is the first time ever that the Office of Special Counsel had recommended the firing of someone in the administration, in this case for repeated violations of the law barring partisan politics from the federal workplace, the Hatch Act. As was noted by the head of the agency, as a highly visible member of the administration, Ms. Conway's violations, if left unpunished, send a message to all federal employees that they need not abide by the Hatch Act's restrictions. Her actions erode the principal foundation of our democratic system, the rule of law. Well, Henry J. Kerner, aren't you cute? Aren't you just absolutely adorable? And thinking that saying that to Trump and the Trump administration would somehow send the message that she doesn't belong in her office, as opposed to just completely underscoring why she's there in the first place. Oh, that is so cute. Kellyanne con artist's response to this. This is pretty priceless about the rule of law. Blah, blah, blah. She told a reporter who noted her past Hatch Act violations a couple of weeks ago. If you're trying to silence me through the Hatch Act, it's not going to work. Let me know when the jail sentence starts. Ha 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 ha. Or if I can translate this one, 
Law schmaw. Who cares about the law? This is the Trump administration. Don't you guys get it yet? The law is irrelevant to us. And while you guys carp about the law, we just keep breaking it and you do nothing about it, you schmucks. This guy recommended my firing? That's pretty funny since I'm here because of my willingness to violate the law. That's why Trump puts me in the administration. Anybody want to bet how Donald Trump responded to this? Great job, Kellyanne. Or maybe it was reflected by the White House counsel who wrote a letter after this, this Office of Special Counsel detailing her numerous Hatch Act violations on tape in full view of the public. We've been reporting on our Hatch Act violations since this show started more than two years ago. So what did the White House counsel speaking on behalf of Donald Trump say? Fake news. That's where we've gone in this country. Who are you going to believe? Me or your own two eyes? And so here we are again, people. It is time, in case you missed this, to M fucking peach. And the idea that this needs to be done gets clearer and clearer by the minute. I have been talking all along. I've been supporting Nancy Pelosi and giving her credit for her her tactics and her shrewdness and pulling one over on Trump. But it's really hard to escape at this point the idea that she is fucking clueless. That she is following a strategy of investigate, investigate, investigate without using impeachment. While the Trump administration is using the strategy of ignore you, ignore you, ignore you with absolutely no consequences. Without waking up to the fact that you have got to impeach. As... Representative Adam Schiff, the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, said, is quoted, I believe, in the Times, the president has either learned nothing from the last two years or picked up exactly the wrong lesson that he can accept gleefully foreign assistance again and escape the punishment of the law. Speaking of Trump's uh, attempts at collusion. Well, here's the thing, Representative Schiff. The, the reason that Donald Trump may be getting that wrong lesson, that he can comp- that he could accept foreign assistance, that he could repeatedly break the law without possibly facing the consequences, is because under this Democratic Congress, he will never face the consequences. That's why. It's funny how it is that if you act illegally your entire life and you never face the consequences, you come to believe that if you break the law, you will not face the consequences. Imagine that. He just continues to blatantly violate the law. And I understand, Speaker Pelosi, you are afraid of what the public's going to do. Well, you know what? The public is going to punish people who are afraid and who stand for absolutely nothing. You know what? You are you are the demure woman or bo- girl or boy at the dance. You've demurred enough. Your reputation is intact. You can now go ahead and sleep with the impeachers and... You can have your reputation intact. You have said no often enough. But it is time to move on with impeachment. It is time now to tell the American public that you did everything you could to avoid this, but the President of the United States has made it unavoidable. Congress moves on contempt for Barr and Ross? Give me a break. It's a joke. Did you hear the latest joke this week? The House Intelligence Committee just issued subpoenas for former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, for former Trump campaign chief Rick Gates. Are you fucking kidding me? 
let me predict the news for next week, everybody, and tell you how this is going to go. Oh, more subpoenas. Good, I think we're running low on toilet paper at the White House. God, those Democrats, what pussies. And while Democrats continue to talk about all the ways that this isn't really going full despotism and full autocrat, Donald Trump continues to go down the pathway to full despotism and full autocracy in America. Oh, goody, we have that to look forward to. Anyway, that's our show for the week. Thanks for joining us. Have a good week, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal. 